Baskets are 10 feet high. The rim is the same circumference. You're shooting in the same basket. It's the same five guys, same rules. The thing that plays a factor, can't be measured, is the moment. The guys with the biggest balls make the biggest plays, and that's what it comes down to in the tournament. It's the future! Down and distance. On WGNRadio.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Down and Distance. Jared Payton, at Payton Sun, P-A-Y-T-O-N-S-U-N. My man Sean Davis alongside me sitting in SD2 Mike's on Twitter. This is DAD, the podcast, exclusively on WGMRadio.com. The Final Four is set, and it's time to get into it. Let's talk about it. Let's dive deep into it because this is where basketball gets fun, especially college basketball. Listen, I don't have any money on this, Sean, so it's all good with me. But I know there's a lot of people out there that want to know how these matchups are going to be set. So it's good to have my good friend Jordan Cornette on with us from Campus Insiders and 120 Sports and CBS Sports Network College Basketball Analyst. Cornette, what's going on, man? Not much, JP. Good to be with you. It's the best time of the year, man. This is the climax of it all. It's been a fun march, and now we get to crown a champion. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I, I'm, you know, I love basketball. You know, I'm a football guy, though, Jordan. So it's, uh, you know, when we talk about college football. I get excited, but I have to agree with you right now. We look at college basketball. And when you get March Madness, you come down to, you know, April, where you have these games that everybody's looking at. I, I think we, the one game that, that kind of jumps out to me is this North Carolina-Syracuse game. Everybody expected North Carolina to kind of be where they are right now. But Syracuse, my man, no one had Jim Beheim and Cuse getting this far. Now they're in the Final Four going up. How do you see this match out playing out? Well, it's going to be curious to me because North Carolina has a perfect antidote to what Syracuse does in terms of that matchup zone. It's all about exploiting the gaps of the matchup zone where they're most vulnerable. And that's usually in the middle of the paint and what they call the mid post. And, Carolina is loaded with guys that are skilled in that area. Bryce Johnson is a matchup zone buster. And then you look at Carolina's best strength, rebounding, create second-chance opportunities off the backboard, another place where a matchup zone is vulnerable because it's hard to rebound out of his own. So Carolina could have a field day offensively there. Now the biggest question mark for a Carolina team against that matchup zone is can you knock down the outside shot? Because if you can break down that zone in the middle, well, if you can't score it, the next best threat is to kick out the shooters. Carolina at times struggles to knock down shots. However, Marcus Page has been on point this whole tournament. And if Marcus Page is knocking down shots alongside guys like Joel Berry or Nate Britt, well, then Carolina should run away with this thing. But it's all going to come down to that storyline, the matchup zone, and can they defend and stop the bleeding from an explosive Carolina offense? Syracuse has struggled the last two games, starting off very slow against Gonzaga and then once again in the matchup on Sunday. So when you go up against North Carolina – do they have to reverse that trend? Because in order to come back against teams, you usually have to speed that team up, press and do things and get out of your characteristics or your game plan. If they speed North Carolina up, aren't they playing into what North Carolina really wants to do? Yeah, North Carolina is so explosive. Syracuse doesn't want them to find themselves very far behind in this contest. Syracuse is going to have to win this game in a half court. They're going to do everything they can to slow it down. You saw Notre Dame do exactly that for 30 minutes of the game, and it was back and forth. And at the point, it looked like, hey, Notre Dame might be able to do this thing. Eventually, it turned into that track meet that Notre Dame wanted to avoid. Carolina knocked down shots, and Notre Dame couldn't keep up the pace with them. Carolina's got dogs coming off the bench. They go about eight deep 
eight effective guys. Isaiah Hicks is as good as any coming off the bench. Sixth man of the year in the ACC. And this is a team that has so many weapons, you definitely don't want to run with them. You'll find yourself lagging behind. Cornette, I, I look at Bryce Johnson as being this guy that you, you talked about. Him. I mean, just amazing to watch him play this whole entire tournament. He, to me, is going to be that X factor for North Carolina. Who is going to be that player to watch that X factor for Syracuse? I think it's got to be Malachi Richardson, the young freshman who, now you're 30-plus games into a season, you're no longer a freshman. You've kind of morphed into a, a sophomore, and you're expected to make plays. Malachi Richardson in that matchup zone is great with his length at the guard spot to play at the top of it. Um, he, he's been a guy capable of scoring, but he hasn't really been a shot maker. And Mal- Malachi Richardson was the guy who carried them in that stunning win over Virginia. I look at him and I look at a, an old reliable and a senior in Trevor Cooney, a guy who's been inconsistent with his shot pretty much the majority of his career, but has a knack to knock down the big shot. You know what you're going to get in Michael Benege. I mean, he's a flat-out stud. He's an all-conference performer. As he goes, so does his team. But we talk about the ability to make shots to generate offense. you got to look at a guy like Cooney. you got to hope for the freshman like Malachi Richardson to step up and hope that the moment's not too big for him. You talk about just the the moment in in this moment. Listen, I played in big time games, so mm-hmm. I get it. And you look at the players. I always look at the players. The players are who we watch. But let's not forget about these two coaches that are going head to head as well, Jordan. We're talking about icons, yeah. icons in the game of college basketball going head to head. That is a matchup that people are don't get a chance to watch, but they get to see how it plays out on the floor. Yeah, especially because there's familiarity with the programs and with the coaches. So you're not going, you're not seeing two legendary coaches who are unaware of what the other one does. These guys know everything. When when a guy walks to the bench, they know how many steps he's going to take before he sits down. That's how much these guys know each other's execution and their game plans and what they put out there on the floor. To me, it's going to come down to in-game management. And you saw probably one of the slickest moves in this tournament was the move from Coach Bayhive to speed up a Virginia team that looked completely out of their element completely disrupted and to be honest just shook and that's what propelled this orange team to the final four was an in-game adjustment from Bayheim. And, and i don't think it's as much as what roy williams and how he's going to coach this game but how the chess match and how you're going to move pieces on Bayheim's end to keep up with a team that's clearly more talented in the tar heels can he make adjustments in the game to keep his unit on the floor competitive and within striking distance hoping to make a move down the stretch in the waiting minutes. Down the distance right here with my guy Jared Payton, Sean Davis. We're on the line with Jordan Cornette talking some Final Four. And we go to the other matchup and look at the sideline. Mm. I call it the suited and booted mm. matchup because <laughs> Ron Kruger and Jay Wright, they wear the suits quite they, well. No one's they messing get it with, done. No one's messing with Jay Wright. Jay Wright right? is smooth Jay Wright on is that sideline. But I want to get into what I saw last Saturday. It was kind of like a De La Soul soundtrack because it was buddy, buddy, buddy all up in the face of the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> How in the world is Jay Wright and the Villanova defense going to shut down Buddy Hill the same way they shut down that Kansas offense? Yeah, well, you know, the, the same thing was asked of this team. is How are you going to shut down these Kansas Jayhawks? I mean, how are you going to stop Perry Ellis, a guy who's been giving people the business for 30-plus years in college basketball? And he looked limited. He looked frustrated. Villanova, people talk about how they live and die by a three-point shot, but that's not really what wins games for them. It's defensively, they're one of the best units out there in the country. They have long, lean athletes, positionless players. They can go a lot of different spots on the floor. They play a lot. They play a blend of great defenses. You might see a matchup zone. You may see just a straight 2-3 zone. You may see a lot of man-to-man, 
They apply some full-court pressure because they have the athletes to do so. What they're going to do with Buddy Heald is try to throw a bunch of different looks at him. This isn't a guy you can stop. A lot of people going into this tournament say, how can you stop Buddy Heald? No coach has that game plan because no coach has been able to stop him. He's only had single digits once in the entire season. The guy's averaging nearly 30 points per game in this tournament. It's slowing him down is the key. Can you limit Buddy Heald to 20 points? If you do, that's a win, and then you hope the supporting cast doesn't provide a lot. And, and when you get into the nitty-gritty how you want to stop Buddy Heald, it's you want to take away as much transition from him in early offense as you can. So that means the guy who's tasked with defending him can't crash the offensive glass. They need to be back set, ready to defend. Also, you got to control the backboard. Villanova needs to be one and done in rebounding situations because a lot of the baskets that Buddy Heald gets, offensive rebound kickouts to him who's square, ready to catch and shoot. You want to make him a driver, run him off the three-point line as much as possible. Trading twos is a lot better than giving up threes. So going into this matchup for the Oklahoma Sooners, which duo is more important to the success and giving to the support to Buddy Hill? Is it going to be Cousins and Woodard, or do you think it's going to be Latin and Spangler on the inside? I think I think in various ways it, it's, it could be both, but I'd lean towards the guard play, Woodard and Cousins, their ability to make shots to alleviate some of that pressure off Hill. Look, if those guys get hot, you're playing one-on-one basketball against Buddy Heald, and, and you guys know what goes down if that's the situation. But when you look down low for Latin and Spangler to be able to create second-chance opportunities, to generate more possessions for this Oklahoma team, that makes them incredibly more dangerous, already one of the nation's most efficient offenses. And Jordan, when you look at a lot of people talking about over the last couple of days, listen – you know how it is, man. This is a tournament. This is a different day and age, and you don't want to go back and think about matchups before, but all I've been hearing about is when Oklahoma beat Villanova 78-55 to back in December. This is a different Villanova team than back in December. Yeah, I mean, it's like talking about your Hurricanes in week one against Joe Schmo when, you know, you may, you may have coughed one up on the ground or your QB may have thrown a pick. It's different. In week 10 or week 11, you're a totally different team. I mean, you can't judge any team by what they did in December. No team is the same in December as they were in March. Look no further than an Iowa Hawkeyes team who looked like they were a Final Four team in December and looked like they didn't belong in NIT as a bubble team in March. I mean, that's just how it is. I don't look at anything that early in the season because there's no judgment to be made. These teams morph entirely differently. Jordan, how much are you playing into and buying into that the whole shooting percentage at NRG Stadium with with basketball games? Because it seems like that's been a storyline that people have been talking about. The teams there that are have been good shooting teams once they get into NRG Stadium, that uh, those percentages go down. And does that play a favor for any of these teams? No, I think it, I think it's such a, a gross exaggeration. I, and I'll, I'll take it back to the fact that you played big football games. Would you say if somebody struggled on that football field, it's because it was a it was the, the NFL dome factor is a bigger stadium? No, it's the moment's bigger, and it just so happens it's played in a dome. These guys, I mean, basketball is basketball. You put them on the playground, put them in a high school gym, you put them in a dome. It's ninety-four feet. Baskets are ten feet high. The rim is the same circumference shooting in the same basket, it's the same five guys, whether they're different, it's the same rules. The thing that, that plays a factor that can't be measured is the moment. The guys with the biggest balls make the biggest plays, and that's what it comes down to in the tournament. Pretty safe to say that the best matchup everybody is rooting for to see on Monday night is the best player against the supposed best team, Oklahoma yeah. against North Carolina? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're always looking for storylines to generate interest in the college basketball scene. And to have Buddy Heal, the guy who's been magnificent, a four-year player who's, who's waited for his moment. He does all the right things. He doesn't make headlines or anything negative. Only positive stuff. He's a lovable kid. He's a great student athlete. He comes from nothing. And here he is about to be a very rich man. His mother worked incredibly hard, raised all those children by herself. It's a built-in storyline, but you want to see, if, can this kid do it, really, all the way to the championship? Much like a Kimball Walker or a Carmelo Anthony. I mean, even a Christian Leitner. Can he be one of those legends that lives forever on, despite what happens at the next level NBA? Can he become a college legend? And then you want to see if Carolina can be that team. You want to see dominance versus dominant player and who prevails. And I think a lot of people are going to be leaning towards rooting for this Sooners team. Right. Man, I can't wait to watch this week's weekend, Zach. Cornette, man, I gotta get I gotta get your take before we get you out of here. Who who wins this the entire thing, man? I mean, I, I wasn't on them. I thought North Carolina was an elite eight team. I was on them most of the season. I didn't like their matchups coming out of that bracket in the East. But these guys look too strong. I mean, they're just getting better and better in each round and really exuding their power and brute force on teams and. They're leaving their front pair on the game by beating you up on the backboard, just overwhelming you in 40 minutes. I don't see a team that has the correct, or the the effective antidote to knock them off. I think this Carolina team is going to hoist the trophy, cut down the nets. Yeah, the last time they cut down the nets, they did it the same way with Sean May and Marvin Williams. They beat you up on the inside. Beast mode. Unfortunately, Beast mode. it was my line eye that took the brunt of that. So. <laughs> yeah, and they haven't been talking about March for a long time. A long time, bro. A long time. <laughs> Jordan, one more thing. You being color analyst for Notre Dame, and, and yeah. from the aspect you just talked about, the Illini, not talking about March for a long time, what is it about Mike Bray? I sit back, I watched him last year, the Kentucky game, the way he coached this team. There's no way I thought this team would even sniff an Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. What has what has he done to this program to almost make it elite or right on the level of elite programs? And when you talk about getting a guy like Thon Maker, and being in his top three that can totally revolutionize and take the program to the next level. What is it about Mike Bray that's causing him to be so successful? He's a cool he's a cool customer. He's a cool cat. And in college basketball, you guys know how it is. One of the main things is it's not necessarily about X's and O's, which Coach Bray's no slops there. It's about being a guy who's going to homes and recruit and bring in upper echelon talent, the elite class of player. And Coach Bray's one of those guys you want to have a beer with in the bar, you want to chop it up in the locker room. But he's also a guy who commands respect with the success he's had. So he can go into the white kid's household and get him. He can go into the black kid's household. He can go into the upper-class household, the lower-class income household, and sell these families and these kids through sincerity. And he's a relatable guy. So you're looking at the broad scope of players considering a school that typically was only led to for one type of player. Football, yeah, like you said. Exactly. And so now he's competing with the fact that it's a football school – that it's, it's not Coral Gables, it's South Bend, Indiana. It's, the facilities aren't the best. Academic requirements are pretty difficult, and yet still you're getting as talented a player as possible. And guys like Demetrius Jackson, guys like Zach August, guys like Bonzi Colson, how great has BJ, BJ Beecham been? I mean, Nate Britt still is having sleepless nights from that bang on that BJ Beecham had come baseline, <laughs> John Starks-esque. I mean, it's unbelievable. When I was there, we had talent, we had some athletes, but one through eight for these guys are elite-level athletes, all of them with a considerable opportunity and legit chance to play at the next level. And it's all because Coach Bray is such a cool guy who's very relaxed and loose. And the, it's the biggest thing. And I, as I watch these teams play, they play a lot of offense. 
They sell offense. It's offensive freedom. They put up a lot of points. They allow you to showcase your talent. Kids don't want to go to a school that's playing slow-down basketball, defend, defend, defend. They want to go out there and showcase what they can do with the round ball, and Coach Brink gives you that opportunity to become a sexy school and then to tie in with Under Armour being that hot new brand. Right. People are starting to say, hey, Notre Dame won cool in the 90s. It wasn't cool really up until 2006, 2007. But, man, these guys are at another level competing with everybody else. Let me tell you something, Cornette. I get a chance to, to talk to people every single day in this business. You are one of the best, my man. I appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, ladies and gents. Hey. You just heard it from the ND all-time leading rebound. I, I already know. He's that dude. I, when, he was on He's sports, that dude. when he was on sports feed, it was one of the things that we talked about, man. That's one of his things. Follow him on Twitter at Jordan Cornette. If you want anything to do with basketball or just life, man, follow the man. He's a great guy. We appreciate you for joining us on Down and Distance, sir. Jared, Sean, I really appreciate it, guys. Anytime you can have me, I'd love to be on. Appreciate right, you, bro. We'll talk to you later. That's how we do it here on Down and Distance. <sighs> First down is always good. We got more downs to go. We always convert here on Down and Distance. All right, man, we appreciate you, man. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the tournament, man. Enjoy the weekend. All right, man, we'll talk Same. to you. Yep. All right, guys.